Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey everyone, I'm Sam Fry and welcome to a brand new episode and a brand new series of Technique. Where today we're going to be asking, what does the future look like? And in particular, what does the future of love look like? But before we start, let's hear that theme tune. So first things first, let me introduce our guest for today. Hello, hello, I'm Ghislaine Boddington from Embody Data Space, co-curating FutureFest with the theme Future Love. So this actual recording was originally recorded about six months ago, in which time I've been feeling a bit guilty that I haven't been able to release it yet. But I wanted to wait until we had a few episodes up our sleeves to to start releasing to you. But this was recorded at an event by Nesta called FutureFest, which if people haven't been to before, it explores what the future looks like in various different ways. And each time they've had one of these events, they've had a few different themes, one of which for this year's was love, looking at what the future of love could be. And they had a number of different speakers, different talks about what what love is now, what love will look like in the future, where robots come into that, uh, where other technologies come into that as well. And how does that, um, what does that look like in terms of not only the kind of technological changes, but what does that mean to us as, a, as human beings um, when we're interacting with each other and falling in love with each other? Soul, oh my soul, what wondrous love is this, oh my soul. Before we jump right into the depths of love, why don't we start by actually getting to know Jelaine a little bit? So Jelaine's got a fascinating history as an artist um, over the last 20 years or so, but also more recently as a curator too. I'll let her introduce herself. My background is dance and performing arts, and I worked in the 80s in the dance sector, um, both dancing and producing and curating, and involved in some projects which involved um, early use of digital video with American artists who were training us in Britain. And it just fascinated me to actually see how we could work with our own bodies in video, but also how we could relate to other bodies that were coming through on video behind us and around us. So... And in many ways it fascinated me around identity, around um, the issues of narcissism, all those things about how we look at ourselves and how we look at others. And I was already involved in interculturalism, so the whole thing of how you look at the other and how you judge the other was very foremost in my head. So then I just had this idea in around 89, 90 that Mm. actually on the intercultural work I was doing and travelling a lot, it would be so much easier if we could actually work studio to studio from Lisbon to London or from Slovenia, I was working a lot to London, etc. And we started this network called Butterfly Effect Network between five countries, very contemporary dance lot, very experimental. And we aimed to do that, to actually try and link up our studios. Now, goodness knows how he thought we were going to do it. We did all these drawings, did all the plans, everything. But, of course, it was pre um, real access to internet apart from through the Janet system at that point so um, so we just did it between studios with BNC cabling so we did loads of workshops at Dartington 
in the 90s and all over in these five different countries just playing with dancers, bringing together dancers, software designers, um, video artists, sound artists, coders, and we set off these interdisciplinary experiments playing with telepresence as one of those. So linking up remote stages and playing back and forward and working out all the different tricks we could do, all the different illusions, all of the different like magical, mystical things that come through. And I was really interested in actually how we started to look at touch and virtual touch. So okay. we carried on working with that then. So between kind of 91, 92 and... I guess 2004, that was with a, our collective then called Shinkansen, yeah. We did about, I don't know, two or three hundred telepresence performances between London and Helsinki, London, Kyoto, usually VICA. We were working with VICA a lot then. So um, between youth centres across London, between Norwich, Cambridge, and London, um, into New York, um, you know, etc. And we just made loads and loads of us get on with it. We just took loads of people through training, mm-hmm. and we just had fun. Yeah. And so, was that mainly performers just interacting with performers or audiences as well, watching <coughs> both of those? Both actually, because we did. First of all, it was focused on dancers with dancers, yeah, and playing with getting the basically getting all of the basic methodology together. So we have right. a clear. Um, creation methodology with telepresence which includes things like learning orientation and navigation techniques of how to work within physical and virtual space in two or three spaces and um, how to look at virtual touch we worked out our energy lines and how we could work with those so we set up a whole set of methodologies with performing artists but then in around 96 we started doing a club night at the end in London called Club Research and there we did telepresence between the club rooms and up, up, to, up and down stairs. And we, we commissioned small performances. Mm-hmm. But then we started to leave the zones open for the clubbers to dance in. And that was really successful. So they, they learn, people learn very fast. You know, if you've just seen a performance in a zone, which is linking to upstairs or to another club, then as soon as they're out, of course, the very performative on the club floor are in that space and yeah. dancing together. So that was great fun. And then we started to do stuff with youth clubs and with, um, we got asked on, um, we did quite a lot with Nesta actually because we were working on the Ignite pro- project, which was an educational project for skills training for young people. So telepresence has got a lot of skills in it. You know, you can be the dancer, but we need video skills, we need mixing skills, we need web skills, we need stage skills, you know. So there was a whole set of training around young people's skills there and all the soft skills that mm. come in. You've got to collaborate. You, you can't just dance on your own. You've got to collaborate and negotiate. You've got to listen with your body. You've got to actually learn how to work in teams. You know, all those things were coming out of it into young people's education, yeah. Right, and so how, how does that relate to what you do now? Do you do, you do a lot of that still? I guess the the opportunities um, now as far as technology. I mean, there's, there's yes, more we do, do. We do in a way. Um, <clears throat> we did about eighty workshops in the UK and internationally with dance and technologists across from ninety one to about two thousand and four. Okay. I really enjoyed them and directing them and this methodology that we were using called the weave of the body, the weave of the body, the technology and the content and. Um, took about four or five thousand artists through those workshops, and then um, we decided um, in 2004, Shinkansen came to a kind of natural end because other people were starting to do all that and actually picking up on the methodologies. And actually, a lot of them were training the trainers and taking it from out from us. Very knowledge we knew that was happening. We were pushing it out, you know. So 
And I reached a point where it was like, okay, I've done 15 years of this. I've done ICA for 10 years now and club stuff and I'm getting a bit older and I need to keep challenging myself. And this is a fantastic set of audience, working with a dance audience and working with Dance Umbrella, doing stuff at Royal Festival Hall and, you know, etc. But I want to work with a wider audience in this. It's not just for the art sector. So we started Body Data Space, mm-hmm. again a collective, but a limited company to work into creative industries and education more as well as arts. And we, about eight of us moved through from Shinkansen and some others joined. And so the last, it's 10 years now, 11 years, we've been doing Body Data Space. And we have still done a number of telepresence projects, but actually more intricate ones, more ones which involve convergence with other technologies. Right. So what, what kind of technologies? So we did a big piece during the Olympics year for the National Theatre, which was in the foyer at the National Theatre, um, and it was an EU project. Mm. And we had um, four countries involved. and So in National Theatre in London, in um, uh, Digital Arts Centre in Paris called Centre des Arts in Istanbul in a university and in the um, the kind of in Brussels in one of the lovely galleries just off the main square we had a big black box yeah and inside that box you went in on your own no wearables completely we're very on for natural body we don't really want to put things on people because people don't dance the same they don't yeah. move in their normal way you know so um, you went in individually and you actually immediately saw yourself as an avatar in a virtual world. A very abstract avatar, but if you were in London, you were orange, if you were in Brussels, you were green, blue in Paris, and um, uh, purple, I think, in one of your, in Turkey, mm. in Istanbul. And you saw the others going around in there, because actually it was simultaneously running in each country, and then there was four people always in it, yeah, so you'd see the others. And you'd know that that blue person was from Paris and that green one was in Brussels. And it was a big virtual world. So we were using basically the creation of real-time creation of avatars through motion capture into a huge sim, a massive sim, with just a very simple one, just with a moon and stars for navigating yourself and much darker on the edges, much brighter in the middle under the moon. Mm-hmm. And we gave people very simple instruction of using gestures to draw people to them and to try and hug someone yeah which actually you couldn't really do because we're not you know we weren't, weren't we maybe could now if we were in suits but we were very deliberately avoiding that side of tech but people really loved it and about nine thousand people went through and they were very very wide-ranging because it was that olympic south bank buzz mm. yeah and different places in the other countries. So finally felt we got to something where we'd converge telepresence, human gesture, motion capture, and a virtual world. I'm, I'm interested in those avatars in particular. Um, so we're, we're here at Future Fest at the moment, which is all about looking at the future and, and uh, what the potential of that is. Um, one of the talks I know under this theme of future love uh, yesterday was uh, Kate Russell gave a talk about um, about gaming, gaming and actually yeah. the history of gaming um, she talks a bit about at one point avatars and actually how it's quite strange for someone um, to enter the, the body of, of a kind of a different person so what what was the reaction at that point in those different colours or how, how do you think that works when people actually are taken into a virtual world well that's an interesting question in relationship to this piece because you were so definitely on your own in this box and so near the screen I think the relativity was immediate you knew that was you it appeared straight away and you and you moved and you could move around in it so 
because it's full-bodied, yeah, and you, you, you're, not, you're not making an avatar and sitting in front of a computer screen looking at your full-bodied avatar on the screen, but you're not fully physically involved. It is the full you and the full avatar. So we had a very good feeling of relativity. Mm. Um, but I think um, for future love, yes, that whole area of love and romance in gaming and in virtual worlds has come up a lot, and Kate's talk was very specifically chosen to reflect that and we we worked together a lot on that area of that she talked about about her community and the belonging that she's in this amazing community and how the avatars work together in there um and i think in the hypersensory enhancement talk we did too um looking at worlds in the future collaborative worlds where we can be fully physical at one end and we may be utterly virtual avatar at the other end Mm. Um, but that we can have those relativities in a much deeper way if we're actually working with our full bodies. So at this point, it might be worth me telling you a little bit more about what FutureFest actually is. So we were sat underneath a lot of the events going on at a space called the, the Tobacco Dock in London, which is um, an old converted dock space, which is used for a lot of kind of events, um, typically lots of conferences. Um, they also have lots of big kind of uh, gaming festivals and things like that. Uh, if anyone listened to one of the previous episodes about gaming, it was actually recorded in the most part at the same place. But FutureFest was a weekend um, back in September uh, 2016 at that tobacco dock where there were lots of talks and debates all about the future. Um, typically, it felt a little bit like a conference, but there were also interactive exhibitions. Um, it was quite fun, very kind of casual in terms of dropping in and dropping out. It wasn't really a big business networking thing as such. It was more a kind of a um a fun event just to to hear interesting talks by people like Will Self or Brian Eno um and various other people in that space between technology and the arts. So Ghislaine, who I'm speaking to, in this context is kind of working on behalf of Nesta, who are running FutureFest. And Nesta, for those that don't know, is an innovation charity. They are essentially a bit of a think tank, so they do bits of research, but also funding opportunities in the areas of the arts, technology, but also social parts of business. And Jelaine was here briefed to find people to speak about the future of love um, and to kind of commission them to, to do different talks. So she can tell you a little bit more about that in particular. Great. Well, FutureFest is um, a radical innovative weekender, which is run by Nesta, and it takes place every 18 months in East London and here we are this weekend in Tobacco Docks and this year as with every other year there's set themes so themes are chosen and I got asked to curate this year the future love theme so last year last time I did the future machines and I worked on the women the women involvement in, in it this year I'm doing future love and Pat Kane is doing future play and we've also got future work and future thrive 
And so um, Future Love, is there a specific intention behind the types of people you've got to talk about Future Love? Yes, I've done a, actually quite a deeply woven programme. So for me, I can see every link and every bit in it all <laughs> the way through. So I think Kasia knows it all now too. So it's like, <laughs> um, but of course, it's also completely... If you go to the whole thing, I think people have had a great time. But of course, mm. you can go to every bit individually. So, um, And um, what I did was... I mean, it's a huge a future love. I mean, love is such a universal thing and there's so many different types of love and so many different um, aspects to it. So um, I chose really three sub-themes, three or four sub-themes, which I've worked with. Um, I've decided not to do, for example, I'd love to do um, future parents and future family love and that side. And, but we decided, no, that, maybe that's another time. So, so here we've chosen... Um, the synthetic emotions discussion mm. around the love of non-human humans. Um, so that's been coming woven up through some of the keynotes, like um, My Fair Robots by So Young Ro today, yeah. um, and also into the panel work, bringing in people who are working on empathy and AI with robotics, people who have got long-term knowledge of the cyber sex scene, in a sense, and the connectivity between bodies, people who are pioneers in those areas, bringing them together to vision from their deep knowledge, actually, and experience the future ahead. Um, and Kate's talk on the avatars reflected into that too. The second one is hyper-sensualities that we've just mentioned, and um, they're is very much trying to the baseline of the theme really looking at how do we deal with all this data coming from our bodies how can we start to use that into a more sensual joyful love environment rather than um just for keeping fit or just for um medical conditions yeah Mm. um or just for actually battling and killing loads of people in virtual games you know in, in game scenarios so you know could we not equally at least you know love as much as kill in gaming and possibly even more rather than less yeah, yeah. talking about that and new new environments of the future and the third one is um the shifting identities theme so the actual um allowance that digital communities and digital um connectivity has enabled people to belong in communities in different parts of the world to find others more like them for people who are actually now multi-identitied and or are in gender fluidity or shifting the way that they feel about that this dualism of male and female so the whole non-binary debate the, the opening up of a gender fluidity debate and how that has been fed to from the digital and how the digital actually is helping that at this point in time mm. what, what do you think is so I mean you mentioned that uh, the my fair robot talk um, which involved kind of lots of um, showcases of the art centre in Nabi, in Nabi yeah. yeah. Art Centre in Seoul. Yeah. yeah. So how was it? Um, what was it like working with? I mean, what was quite interesting about that talk in itself was it showcased a lot of different robots that were, were interacting with humans in quite, a kind of, um, I guess, as as much of a kind of comforting level as mm. well as kind of yeah. playful experiences yeah. too. Um, but in from quite a different culture too. Yes, um, so yeah. what was it like working with? Um, so is it so young? So young, Ro, yes, yeah. Um, and and her team as far as going. Well, I very deliberately looked for a woman and a non-Westerner to talk about 
empathy and robotics and AI at FutureVest. It was right. a very, very clear curatorial decision that we needed to have a view which was not Western and which actually for once wasn't just coming from, you know, a businessman or a, a roboticist, yeah. So, and so I'm really pleased with that talk because actually she approached it from the um, level also of working that directly into the community. You know, they're doing these hackathons, which is great, but they're taking them straight out into large-scale community environments. And looking at the empathy and the the love of... She used pets as an example, yeah, the yeah, love of pets her dog and, and her dog and, you know, all those things which actually, you know, people think, oh, that's too soppy, I can't talk about that. And, you know, if we see dogs or cats in tech slideshows, it's usually a joke. Yeah, <laughs> It's not actually something people are going, no, let's look at this um, special love that people have got, of, yeah. you know, others. So I think she... she her, the, her work has proved, and the work of Nabi Centre, that actually there's a lot that we could do faster if we take things into user environments, and they have such great communities there working into that centre, yeah, rather than keeping them just in the arts or in the robotics field, etc. Yeah. I, I guess her leaving, her final message was around kind of it, we should move away from this idea of man versus robots or man versus yes, machine yeah. to a man working with machine. Um, and that being kind of a two-way collaboration. Yes, yeah. Um, is that is that how you see? Yes, I do. And but I re- recognise that that is a much more naturally Southeast Asian viewpoint. Yeah, mm. I've been in Japan a lot. I've worked in Asia a lot. I've done a lot of workshops in China and Japan and um, different places. And um, so even through the nineties, I started to collect that knowledge myself of the different way that um, Japanese artists coming into our workshops would approach. The technology and, and discussing that together from those those group environments and I found that fascinating so yes I really agree with her and I think it was very good we had that clarity of vision come through. Yeah. Um, I guess are there any anything that you'd like those that uh, were with um, that have come to Future Fest to kind of leave thinking especially around this kind of future love theme? Yes, I mean, we aim as a group, a collaborative group for FutureFest, to actually for people to leave with lots of questions, lots more to debate, lots of things buzzing in their heads, and that they, you know, in two weeks' time in the shower, they're thinking, gosh, I'm really, if I still don't get I'm going to search that, right? Or in the pub, it comes up again, and we want people to have access to extending their thinking on it that they actually in a way then start to have a say because it goes into a more mass discussion yeah and that is Nesta's aim is to actually take a lot of um, you know deep research and stuff which is very carefully looked at by the curators and by Nesta team into a wider public for uh, a shared access to this and we must get as many people involved in these debates as possible partly due to ethics and behaviours and uh, we must all have a say before companies just go ahead and many do just making things without thinking about well what are the community of users going to really think about this how are they going to use it what is the user experience what are the ethics at the base of this so I work a lot in academia so I'm working with AI and robotics a lot at the moment and there there's a whole big debate obviously called virtue ethics which is really on the table at the moment and I think we're going to see that coming through strongly and I think we need everyone to be part of that discussion. Jaws all drop at the candy shop when we walk in the store. It's a frightening display. Mothers hide their children's eyes and hurry towards the door. I don't even want to know the things that they will say. But they can't take our love away. 
so that was Ghislaine Boddington and the topic of future love. And if you're interested in learning more about Ghislaine and her work, then why not go to the website of her London-based collective, which is bodydataspace.net. And you'll be able to see and read about more of the work that she referenced earlier in this podcast. Also, if you like the sound of FutureFest, which honestly I couldn't recommend highly enough, then check out their website. That's futurefest.org. And you should still be able to see some of the talks from last year. So they have their own Vimeo page, which has talks from people like Will Self and Brian Eno that I mentioned, but plenty of others too, especially those people that find themselves somewhere in between the kind of technology, arts and business sectors. So Ghislaine was awesome and really cool to speak to. But in reality, we only had a fairly short amount of time to talk to each other about her work and her involvement in FutureFest. Of course, no one's to blame for that. Ghislaine was still at FutureFest, so she was having to support the Future Love event in general. And also she was a speaker at the event. But I'm hoping over the next few weeks and months that a lot of these technique episodes are going to be a real opportunity to go a little bit deeper with some of the artists in terms of not only what are they doing and how they're doing it, but why they're doing it in the first place. Now, if you're an artist and you're listening to this thinking, I'm using technology in an interesting way and I'm keen to get interviewed on this podcast, then please get in contact. I'm really keen to hear from you. So you can do that in a few different ways. Um, Probably the easiest way is actually to contact me through Twitter. So my Twitter handle is at Samuel J. Fry. Alternatively, you can always go to the Technique Twitter as well. So that's at Technique UK. Otherwise, to everyone else, thanks very much for listening. It's really good to be back with these episodes. And look out for the next one, which will be in about a month's time. In the meantime, take care and we'll speak to you soon. time on technique it allows for people with dementia to have the opportunity to be able to enjoy these visuals and somehow be stimulated by them in some way i talked to sonia lee about art and dementia design thinking has exploded into the workplace of the 21st century putting humans at the heart of design or does it Isn't it just the post-it note workshops? More importantly though, where did it come from? How did it become such a massive industry? And where on earth is it going? Is design thinking what is taught in design schools? And can it be used as a philosophy for the future? Find out more as we, Richard Adams and Sam Fry, explore these ideas with experts in the field on our first technique mini-series about design thinking. Subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss an episode.